Welcome to episode five of Learning with Young Leaders. Today, we are hearing from Ernest, co-founder of Version Twenty Two, a digital transformation consultancy. With experiences from two previous ventures, Ernest brings us through his entrepreneurship journey, the lessons he learned from his previous ventures, and how we can stay focused on our tasks. Do remember to visit sakoniorigino.com/podcast. For show notes to the episode and leave us a review on your thoughts about this podcast. Hope you enjoy this episode as we hear from Ernest with his entrepreneurial spirit. Thank you for coming on to the show, Ernest. Really glad to have you on one of our very first episodes, right? And yeah, really excited to speak to you and learn from your experiences. Nice. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I mean you've had I think three businesses. Still did right. You had mm. your first live printing business, then you went yeah. on to Munch Technologies, and now you're at version 22. So, just walk us through your entrepreneurship journey so far, right? Why have you been starting all these businesses, and what do you look for in them? Sure. I guess like I'm one of those cases where it's pretty typical. Like I was the annoying kid in primary school that I will sell you stuff. I will go to the you know, like the, the store, I'll buy some like country razor, then I maybe put it back and I'll try to sell you. Uh, it's just something that I've always been drawn to, sales, making a buck. But obviously, as I, I grow older, I learned that, oh, it's actually a thing of business, there are systems around it. So for me, I'm very lucky, I must say, that uh, there's sort of like this value around, and honestly hype lah, around entrepreneurship now. Okay. So sort of like, uh, I wouldn't say capitalizing on it, but it's just who I am and just what happens in the spotlight. In terms of the, the businesses itself, I think for me, it's, it's always, I'm always looking out for different opportunities, seeing like what are the possibilities. So when it comes to the shirt printing one, mm. uh, it came because we, like my then co-founder had a contact or t-shirt printing in Malaysia. Um, so we gave it a, just like, yeah, I'll give it a shot because we had uh, like all the different connections in poly, right? Back then we were like, you know, there were so many people around. So we struck a deal with the printer. We're like, okay, you give me wholesale price, then I give you more clients. Uh, and then he was like, okay. So I went to like, all the student clubs and I just tell them like, hey, I got wholesale price, print with me. And then friends, ma. Yeah. So, okay lah, buddy, buddy, let me print. I remember when I first started, I just went through the Facebook Messenger and I just messaged every single person. Just let me know if they knew print shirts. And like, yeah, just got orders. How, how many people were you from, asking on a daily basis? Uh, as many as I could, to be honest. Like, like annoyingly... <laughs> I was being very annoying. I was like, hey, yo, yo, hey, you need print shirt, you need print shirt. So I was just like, whoever did print shirt is telling me. Uh. Um, yeah, so we started with, with just shirt printing. Then then we were thinking about how to sort of like expand and, and figure out how to expand the, the product or service mm. line. Then we, we were thinking about this crazy idea, right? Like, why not we print t shirts on the spot mm. at events? So somehow we managed to get in touch with the people who were organizing the OSIM Sundown Marathon. Uh, this was four years ago, five years ago. Wow, that, that's a really big event, right? That, that was one of the biggest yeah. events you did, right? Yeah, so we actually negotiated with them. They really liked the idea. So they gave us like a really reduced rate on the rental at mm. their, um, what was that? The, the race pack collection. Okay. At, yeah, so it was huge, the convention. So we signed the contract with them. And the funny thing is we signed the contract, but we haven't figured out how to do the printing. <laughs> so we were like... You had, you had to just, buy just, the machines, bring the machines down... We had no idea what we needed to do. So, I don't know if you come across, but in Thailand, they have this thing where like, they stamp your names on a shirt. There's some customization okay. thing. 
So we're like, okay, yeah, we tried it. Like, we go to some like art and craft store, we buy the stamp, right? Then we stamp, like, oh, I cannot look at shit. Yeah. Also, then back then, when you yeah. negotiated the contract, you didn't even know uh, what you were going to do. On... Yeah, we didn't know what we were going to do because all this while we were printing overseas, now we just send the order to the supplier, then the shirt comes back like nice. So now we needed to learn and figure out how oh, to actually okay, do it. Okay. So we figured it out. Like, we got the heat press machine and everything. So we did it. It was amazing. Our first event, I remember it was for three days. 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. It was just non-stop. Two to three hour queues. So yeah. That was crazy. That was super fun. Yeah. Then came, came knocking. So, so you stopped because of army or because the business yeah. didn't work out or what? Actually, that's the, the, the sad part. Like the business was going great. Like we had, we had so many contracts. I actually was able to defer NS for three months because of this business. Yeah. So I, I had to show them like, I, I need to fulfill contracts and can you give me like, I don't know, at least three months. And they're like, sure. So surprising. Yeah, but then I guess ultimately we didn't really continue because my, my co-founders, um, one of them like went off to uni and then like family mm. business. Then, uh, yeah, well, then the other one sort of like just disappeared and went off somewhere. Then we were all like, okay, like, I mean, it was fun while it lasted. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, those are things that, that you learn, I guess. And like, it was fun, but it's a very tiring business. It's like events and then yeah. You have to be there like early yeah. and set there. up yeah. then after that still need to tear down everything, right? Yeah. I mean tech people like you say are not scalable. Not scalable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But now so, you're now you're in a tech business yourself. Right? Sort of, sort of. Yeah. Then came much la, after that. I think that's the, the bigger the bigger company. Mm. So that was during Army. I met uh, my co founder in, in Army Fusing, who uh, mm. he's an SME student also now. Yep. So yeah, I mean he was he was just like we're in camp and uh camp got a lot of time la, for us. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so he was just telling me he had this uh, super cool piece of technology uh, and he was asking me what, what I thought of, about it. Like, it's basically some damn crazy aggregation system. Okay. So I thought it would be pretty cool if, if like, you could aggregate food data um, because previously, I guess in the market, I the apps that I use, not going to name any, uh, that I used to use, I felt like they weren't really good in terms of mm. giving the information. So we were like, okay, then we never look back. Uh, we just build and then Cheong, we built a team um, thankful enough to have been featured in different areas like Straight Star and Falcon Pool, so on and so forth. And it grew, it was, it was going pretty well. And I guess the, the backstory here is like as to how it ended was we, after about two years, it was going well. We, we had partnerships with Chong. Uh, we worked with like hundreds of uh, FB, okay. uh, what do you call it, influencers. But towards the end, we felt like the market was really too competitive in terms of trying to monetize this. And we had investors lined up. The notion among us was okay, if we take the money, uh, then you gotta commit to this for the next X number of months already. Yeah. Right? And we we're thinking like, wow. Firstly, honestly, we were questioning ourselves, and, and this is very true. Like, could we pull it off? You're gonna be fighting with people with like huge war chests. Um, we're still young, so is it a smart idea to sink the next three years into this? Um, or was there something better we could do? And to be honest, we felt that it was not the right move to, to raise the money mm. and just. Um, wet. If you could backtrack I don't a bit, know uh, because I was reading, yeah. I think a f- the Falcon Post article, and they were mentioning how mm. you actually raised money from your family and friends, right? So I was really curious yeah. about the process. <clears throat> I mean, how do you even broach the topic to like, oh, I need money to start yeah. my business and things like that? Yeah. Um, so, like, this is a very interesting topic for me, because I, I feel like a lot of people sometimes when they talk about fundraising and family, right? The, the things I always hear, like, oh, yeah, you got rich, you know, rich parents or what. I say in HDB, by the way. Like, <laughs> I'm not like some super rich kid. Okay. But um, what, I'm, what I'm just saying is that, like, I think the onus is on you to 
um, show your friends and family that you know what you're doing. So in fact, the the for for me lah, raising funds from my my dad wasn't like a hey, hey dad, I need money. Um, in fact, he was asking like, hey, can I, you know, put a bit of cash into this because it seemed interesting lah. So after that, it was like a like a discussion here and there, a discussion about like the terms and stuff. But I think it's it's more psychological when you raise raise money from your friends and family because you're like, ooh, you know, like why have I why have I wasted it? You know, why have I spent yeah. stupid things? So. Um, I guess yeah. that's good lah. Like, I mean, your parents are supportive. Right? I mean, I I imagine some yeah. parents might be like, oh, um, it might be too risky. Why are you doing this? Why why are you yeah. like, looking for a permanent job? Things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, I guess depends on the business model. Um, like with mm. Ink, I didn't have to raise or take any money mm. because it's cash based. But for Munch, it was like you know, heck. um, and, yeah. and it was really hard to monetize at the start. So we needed like something to get off the ground and. Yeah, like, honestly, like myself and my co-founder, we're, we're very lucky, very, very lucky to have super supportive families uh, and parents. Were there like contracts that you had to work out or was it like verbal? I'm just very curious because I haven't done it before, right? Sure, sure. I've never heard of anyone who had designed a contract if, uh, when, when they raised funds from their uh, family. But I don't know. Yeah, no, we didn't need to. It'll be, I don't know, it'll be, it'll be very awkward. It'll be, yeah, it'll be yeah, yeah. I money, mean, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I guess there are, it depends on like the degree of Relativity lah, mm. meaning like if it's your cousin's husband's, you know, like not super close, then maybe you want to have a bit of like paperwork written. Like black and white and stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, you can just find something on the internet. Not legal advice, but uh, maybe you can find something <laughs> on the internet to just restructure something simple. Yeah. Okay, so what what yeah. do you learn from that whole munch journey? I mean, you were going pretty well but you decided to yeah not move forward right yeah so like a lot <laughs> a lot of things so number one I think especially in tech you gotta figure out like whether you are over engineering and anything mm. um, because I'm not the tech co-founder my, my, my other co-founder was the technical co-founder and I think after a while we, we realized that we kind of over engineered certain areas and I'm not saying it's his fault it's more of like we as a team um, what do you mean by over engineering so I give you an example, right? Like, say we wanted to build a, a a system for our influencers to be able to contribute content. Mm. So previously, what we did was you wanted to, if you wanted to share your photos with Munch, you just click one button, and say I'm an influencer with two hundred pictures on my Instagram. I click the button, all two hundred images will be sort of like uh, sent to the the Munch system, and then we clean it internally. So food pictures we extract. Basically, uh, so you just send the whole photo album over. No, so, okay, I don't know if you use Tinder. Uh-huh. Or... I mean, I don't, <laughs> so but I mean, a... I, I kind of know how it works. <laughs> so basically, they have this very smart feature where you just click and you connect your Instagram, right? It's okay. one click. Yeah. So we took that concept, but we added a layer of uh, machine learning on top. Mm. So you click and then all your images from Instagram, you know, comes to us and then we only feature oh, you need... pictures. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so if you had a selfie, we wouldn't take it. And then those pictures... Um, we were we were able to tag it to different areas, so we were actually working in close collaboration with a lot of these people already, um, and we wanted uh, to build a way for them to write content. So it's like a medium on Munch, so they could block mm. content. Um, and because all the images were there already, they didn't have to take pictures; they could just write and then use the pictures. There were a few workarounds, and there were a few considerations as to how this can be built. Super MVP version would be you select 10 influencers, you tell them to write the stories on Google Drive and then you inject the 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 article via your own backend. So super MVP, right? You're basically testing if they want mm. to write 
you're testing it, users want mm. to read. But the, the, the end result of that was we actually built an entire content management system. So we built a, an entire CMS. It was a really good CMS, but it took like two weeks. Oh, two weeks is a long time. So that was one of the, you know, not the best things that we could have done. Uh, we, we should have just done like a simple way. Okay. Uh, but then, yeah. But then again, like this is just one of the many things that we, we had to focus on. Uh, yeah. So so by then, you mean because y'all were trying to do too much at one point, it's sort of like yeah. overreaching? Yeah, for sure. Like, oh, you got this system and then that tool and then you want to do this collaboration with the other company, you know. So it, like sort of, uh, a bit all over the place. La. So that was one huge lesson, like just focus. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So mm. how do you stay focused on a daily basis? Daily basis? Uh, in terms of like personal work or in terms of like company? Both. Or... I mean, it ties in, right? Yeah. I guess I'll start with the company stuff. The company stuff, the, the method that I found the most useful, especially for like product heavy tech companies would be using the OKR system, right? Objectives and key reviews, key results. Mm. Key results, yes. So it's like the whole Google system. I love the idea of it because you're able to very clearly see the different things that needs to be achieved and then basically stating what are the, the material things that can be done to get it, mm. you know, progress. And then you can track it. So instead of like multiple to-do lists or I don't know how many Kanban bots you can have, but having <laughs> a one single source of truth in terms of an OKR for a company has helped a lot. So that allows us to focus, right? And then it, it's a whole system now, the whole lean thing, right? You have the OKR yeah. and then after that, you, you got to do the daily stand-up, blah, blah, blah. There's all the theory behind it. But I think that has been the most useful because Mantra is a very complex um, product. There were a lot of back-end stuff that consumers didn't see. Again, if, if it's not as complex, don't don't bother making it complex. If a simple Kanban bot will do, you can just start with a Kanban bot. Lah. Um, that's what I do for my own personal life. I have like, I have, a few command bots. Like I have one for school, so I know what assignments I need to do. Mm-hmm. I have one for work, so I know what tasks needs to be done. Once in a while, I have like some personal stuff. So maybe just throw it. I'll just throw it into one of those bots, like, To be honest. Yeah. Oh, so you you but organize I, your life into different things and. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean the the more practical advice is, and I wish I was paid for this, but I use Notion. So Notion is a really, oh, okay, yeah. really good uh software to to just manage everything. Uh, on top of that, for smaller tasks, I use Todoist. Mm. So Todoist is like a like a task management um, uh, app. I love it. Uh, and then, yeah, those two generally helps a lot um, with managing and staying focused on, on what needs to be done. Mm. That's the more practical side of things. Okay. But so you mentioned, yeah. I mean, you're, you're still working. So, okay, you transited from that and then now you're working on version 22. Mm. So how has the mm. transition been like? Are they similar in, in concept? Transition in terms of the business model or like, um, like um, me or like the team? <laughs> I mean, the, the team, if I'm not wrong, they moved with you, right? Three of us, yeah. yeah. Okay, then uh, I'm talking more about like the business sense. Like, is it still sure, super sure. related and why do you even move into this oh, new business okay, okay. in the first place? Yeah. So back then in month, right, we touch a lot of AI and ML related stuff mm. and like really, really complex. So for example, the influencer one, right? Like if I extracted a thousand images, firstly, I need to clean in terms of quality. Sorry, no. Firstly, I need to categorize into, is this a picture of food? Is this a menu picture? Or is this a picture of the place? Once you categorize, you need to qualify. Out of a one to 10, how good is this picture? What is a 10? What is a one? What is a four? So we had to go through that. So I sort of like, 
was able to get my hands dirty from a business development point of view, or rather a non-tech point of view as to how AI ML mm-hmm. works. And I was very fascinated by it. I was like, oh, this is really, really cool. And I could sort of see how there were different applications for it. So from there, I once much ended, like a few of us were sitting down thinking about, okay, like what's next, right? We definitely saw how ML and AI could be applied to different companies. So I was reading about this guy. Um, his name is Alexander Wong. He's uh, this like, I think he's an MIT dropout. Yeah, he left MIT like, because okay. he raised like, I don't know, $500 million or something like that. <laughs> uh, but he, had, he has a super smart business model, right? Which is, um, he created this API that can connect to large companies and extract um, data. So in terms of text or images, and then he cleans the data for them and then he sends it back. So it's like dry cleaning okay. for your for your data, uh, okay. which is very important because it's very dry. Yeah. Uh, the cool algorithms can exist in the big companies, but someone has to go and label the data. So he mm. did that. So I was very inspired. I was like, oh shit, that's a very, very cool uh, business model. Mm-hmm. And then a few like permutations later, we realized that SMEs in Singapore will definitely need some form of help when it comes to the automation part of digital transformation. So for example, I'm sure you know a lot of SMEs, right? They struggle with things like Facebook. They struggle with websites. Um, They're getting a lot better. But we see the next bound as the automation layer, but not complex. Not like, I'm not talking about um, NLP or like super complex stuff. I'm talking about very simple tasks, which are mundane and routine that can be automated. So we realized that, okay, we could build sort of like a consulting service where we come in and we sort of help the SME figure out what can be automated and then we actually build the tools and maintain it for them. So the transition wasn't crazy, I would say. Yeah, quite because there were, there were similarities between both. Right? Hmm. But at the start, yeah. how do you even pick all this up? I mean, we are both business students, right? And clearly yeah. that isn't the most applicable field that we are in. But how do you go yeah. and learn about it? So when it comes to people who are in tech and like want to learn tech, there's actually a lot you can do in my opinion. You can learn a lot about the application side of things. Um, for example, <clears throat> you hear a lot about uh, ML and AI, right? And then maybe you read a bit, a bit deeper. Then you're like, wow, what is a convolutional neural network? And then you start to get a bit like... Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> it's not so, in, in my opinion, if you're not going into the tech, it's not so important to actually understand the math and the code. It's more important to understand the, the pros and cons, the benefits, the, the constraints that come along with such a system. And for example, you learn about this OCR tool and you learn that mm. uh, it can do specific things, then as a business person, you think about the application of the technology. Okay. Right. And then once you think about it, you do your research and then you go and ask around like, hey, like, bro, do you use systems for your ERP, blah, blah, blah. Then you sort of do the discovery, you sort of figure out the constraints, you sort of like understand what the customer actually what, needs. What do you think about, you know, there are, there are a lot of causes popping out, right? What do you think about taking those causes <laughs> to gain a better understanding? Or do you think like just Googling will make will do the job? Uh, I think it depends on the topic. Uh, for, so for example, if you're talking about like coding, right? Uh, you can Google applications for AI and ML mm. for an entire afternoon and like receive quite a bit of value, in my opinion. Uh, not from the technical point of view, in, from the, yep. what can the business applications, right? Yeah, but if you really want to learn it, then yeah, there's so many courses out there. I think the thing about courses is the attrition rate is very high because you need a lot of discipline to go mm. through the course. It can be very dry. You know, no one's going to scold you. No one's going to fail you if you don't complete it. So courses are great, but it, you really need a lot of motivation to get through it. Like if, if you don't know anything about AI and data science, I can imagine how going through a Python course and then doing yeah. a data science course is, is very 
it can be it can be difficult, it can be difficult but it can be done for sure. Mm. Okay, yeah, then... I'm, I'm going halfway through this Udemy Python course. Oh, putting out there so that I will commit to it. So that <laughs> like, hey, you got complete the thing or not? Yeah, I did. <laughs> so another thing I'm interested to find out is how have you been balancing between school and work? Oh, I think SMU is not gonna like my answer. Uh, <laughs> I would say okay. I try my best in school, but I have to say I prioritize work because yeah, like, in a, in a sense, like if you have a client, if you have a big pitch or stuff like that. I mean, that's to be honest, a lot more exciting. But that doesn't mean I don't value what the school gives. Like SMU, honestly, and this is uh, this is not plug. Right? Like SMU has been amazing. I swear, when it comes to entrepreneurship, like IIE is so supportive. Like whoever you need to talk to, they will like help you get you know into a conversation with that person. Uh, they are amazing. And beyond that, like I still make friends with, with the people there as well. Like, you know the staff and also in terms of school, I try my best. Not academically, I'm okay. I'm not like the best. I'm not like you know jealous. But I, I I do prioritize work over over school. Like that, to be honest, yeah. That's why you see me at connection every day. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to add? I guess like the interesting thing for me, where I am in my life right now, is I always go back to the whole munch, um, quote unquote failure. Right. It's it's very. It's something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs will go through. And it's something that you, when you are on that high, when you're on that journey, you think that, no lah, like, you know, it's never going to happen to you because you're smart, you know, you, you got the connections, you, you can do this, you do that. But then when it hits you, when you're like, ooh, man, uh, if things didn't work out, uh, that's when, that's when push comes to shove lah. In my opinion, that's where you really figure out whether you want to do this, whether you want to be an entrepreneur. Um, because that's where you really, really are forced to decide. Someone like in my position, in your position, can sort of follow the rules and live a pretty comfortable life, you know, study hard, get a pretty decent job. Um, and I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it's a choice that you have to make. So is entrepreneurship yeah. something you plan to do in the long term? Like you're not going to work <laughs> for a boss ever again? <laughs> uh, I don't want to jinx it and say like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that would be the best case. I mean, there's to me, it's it's not so much about like the the money that you can earn as an entrepreneur. I think I I mean for a lot of entrepreneurs, it actually boils down to a very philosophical um sort of like view on life, right? They love that you only have this one shot, and in this one shot, like what are the things you're gonna do, and beyond that, the fact that if you can control your narrative, if you can have as much freedom as possible, freedom I mean like you still go to work, but like you really truly enjoy. What you work and you have a lot more agency. I think that's something that is very, very rewarding. Yeah. But then you mentioned at that point for Munch. So how mm. were you feeling at that point in time when you sort of came to the realization that it wouldn't work out? Shit. <laughs> it, yeah, it felt it felt horrible. Um it is horrible because like for I guess for us we we the mindset all along wasn't like, oh, we know what we're doing and we are the best. And then suddenly like, eh, we're not the best. The mindset was, we are going to try our best. We know we are not that smart. So let's be careful. And the frustrating thing is, even though we were as careful as possible, you know, we still fell prey to very common startup mistakes. You know, like mm. just simple stuff, MVPs, um, talking to enough customers and things like that. Yeah. Do you think H yeah. played a factor in it? <clears throat> There's the good and the bad. I guess the good part is, when you are, I mean, now I'm not super young, but when I was younger, 
people like throw you a bone, lah. Especially like the the older uh, entrepreneurs, they love they love to help you. I swear, they they're like there's this thing, you know, like maybe they're fifty, sixty, and then they're like, oh, they want to give you um a hand and make introductions. Even like other older, um, not as old but older than you, like tech entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like for example, Song from Green. So Song is the CEO of Green. Mm-hmm. He's a super nice guy. Like, uh, we met many many years ago, and then he knew that I was doing munch, and he sort of dropped me a text and asked how's everything lah. And this was, yeah, they they announced their Series B already. So this was before the Series B, uh, which was which valued the company at fifty million dollars. Okay, and then he texted, and then and then he invited us down to just chat. Yeah, asking like, why, like why, like you're so busy, eh? like you have million things to do like why mentor and why help us so to him he he loved the idea of giving back he he said it was like a cca for him and he loved it he, he was excited to to help the next um you know generation the next mm. tranche of entrepreneurs so there, there are a lot of people that will look at you and like okay you're young but i will help you so the age part you can use it to your advantage the disadvantage is because you don't know anything and you think you know everything for sure <laughs> not just me everybody like yeah you, you know jack shit when you start. Problem is, I mean, I, I think you might be familiar with the whole Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Like, when you start out and you have no no skills, you think you're damn good, you're very confident. And as you learn, you're like, actually, I'm Yeah, actually, actually you don't know anything. anything. <laughs> yeah, and then, hopefully, as you continue, you start to regain the knowledge and the confidence. So, that is somewhat like, like you know, like that lah, yeah, with the age thing. Okay, I think I'll just end off with yeah. one last question. What does success look like to you? Oh, interesting question. I would say success in this case, it's so cliche, but it's really freedom. Yeah. Meaning like you, I, I probably don't need like $100 million or anything that, that in a sense I can not have a full-time, you know, like like left and right. I, I have to answer to, to, I wouldn't say like having to answer to people is a bad thing because as an entrepreneur, you answer to everybody, you know. But in a sense of like, I have the, the autonomy to decide who and what I want to answer to. Yeah, that would be amazing. Success would definitely look like freedom together with the people that, that sort of like we built the company with. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think that is pretty much the end of our conversation today. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All yeah, hopefully we get to talk again in the future. I'll see you soon, man. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Learning with Young Leaders. Be sure to rate review and subscribe to the show and visit sakoniorigino.com slash podcast for more resources based on today's topic. That's sakoniorigino.com slash podcast. Until next time, stay curious, keep learning.